Chapter 1. Why Should I Contribute a Little More Trash? Jesse Lasky arrived at downtown Los Angeles's La Grande Station on a Santa Fe railway train. He told a cab driver he was looking for a place called Hollywood. It was January 1914, and the driver hadn't heard of the place. Eventually, however, they found a quiet development amid rustic canyons and orchards about seven miles west of downtown. Lasky was looking for a business associate, Cecil B. DeMille, an unknown filmmaker from New York, who ended up in Los Angeles after trying unsuccessfully to direct a future-length movie in Flagstaff, Arizona. DeMille had wired his principal backer, Samuel Goldfish, who would later change his last name to Goldwyn, who dispatched Lasky to find out what the director was doing with their money. Eventually, Lasky and his driver arrived at the address DeMille had provided, a five-acre estate of palm trees and lemon orchards at the dusty intersection of Hollywood Boulevard and Vine Street. Lasky headed around back near Selma Avenue, where he saw a barn. There, to his surprise, he found that DeMille had turned the barn into a film studio where crews were busily completing a western. DeMille hadn't told Lasky or Goldwyn that he had sublet the barn from two other early film pioneers, Louis Loss Burns and Harry Revere, or that he was now using it to produce a movie. Lasky was sufficiently impressed by the production, however, and he and DeMille agreed to completely take over the lease. They used the barn to finish Hollywood's first feature, the unfortunately titled The Squaw Man. Released in 1914, the film was a success, and the partnership behind it led to the formation of Paramount Studios. DeMille's and Lasky's success as filmmakers might not have come as easily had they not crossed paths with a Jewish-German-born merchant named Jacob Stern. In 1889, Stern moved to Fullerton, a then-rural town in Orange County, California. There, Stern and a cousin opened a general store. Stern soon had six locations and shifted his business interests to real estate. In 1904, Stern bought the property at Hollywood and Vine. It was a comfortable home where he and his wife Sarah could raise their four children, Harold, Elsa, Helen, and Eugene. Eight years later, he leased out the barn that DeMille ended up using. It became one of the key sites around which Hollywood's film industry grew, and Paramount Studios kept its lot at that corner until the company grew too large to remain there. Amid the hoopla of the movie business's early days, the Stern's second daughter, Elsa Stern, fell in love with a young man named Melville Jacoby whose father, Morris, had come to Los Angeles from Poland and started a retail clothing business with his four brothers. Like the Stearns, the Jacobis emerged as one of Los Angeles's first commercially successful Jewish families. Elza and Melville Jacoby were soon married. Their son, Melville Jack Jacoby, entered the world on September 11, 1916. A booming Hollywood glimmered around the boy and his family, who thrived in the burgeoning city. That is, until 1919. The First World War had just drawn to a close, leaving millions dead in its wake. An even deadlier scourge followed, 
Spanish influenza. The epidemic, believed to have originated in China, killed somewhere between 20 million and 40 million people around the globe. In the United States, nearly one quarter of the population contracted the disease, including the elder Melville Jacoby. In January 1919, before his son was even two and a half years old, Jacoby died. Elza Jacoby had a nervous breakdown following her husband's death. The Stearns swooped in and brought Elza back to their home at Hollywood and Vine, where together they cared for her and Mel. For the next four years, Elza's parents, siblings, and household staff helped raise the boy. Elza eventually recovered from her depression, strengthened in part by converting to Christian science. <laughs>